there was a, a fisherman from El Salvador, a Salvador fisherman who, uh, his job, obviously, go catch fish. And so he planned, you know, there was a certain time of season where, you know, especially get a lot of fish. And so he said, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my boat, maybe with the crew, crewmate, go out and do a day trip, spend the whole day catching fish, and we're going to come back, come back to shore, and you know, we'll make a lot of money for the day. And he was really excited about that. And so he took him and his crewmate and they took the boat out, said, just going to be a quick day trip. We'll, we'll be back really quickly. And they go out into this boat out onto the ocean. Well, much to the guys not knowing, a storm rolls in as they're out onto the ocean and try coming back to shore. And there's a lot of struggle coming back into the shore. And he actually ends up getting stuck out into the ocean. So he planned originally, hey, I'm going to go quick, do a, a quick day trip, but realized pretty quickly that, okay, I plan to do something. Well, guess what? Things aren't going according to my plan. <laughs> I thought it was going to be just a quick one-day trip, but he ended up being out at sea for 438 days out at sea, 438 days. See, he realized probably really quickly on that trip that, okay, I plan to do something. Well, guess what? I'm not the end-all, be-all when it comes to what's going to take place. Okay, maybe I said, I'm going to do a quick day trip. It's just going to last a day. I'll go back, see my family. Well, he realized so quick that, well, ultimately, I can plan to do things, but ultimately, I'm not the one in control. I'm not the one in charge. There is something, uh, someone far superior to me who ultimately is in charge of all things. I think we need the reminder and the awakening that he got while he went out on this trip. It's so easy for us to think, oh man, I'm planning to do this. In high school, I'm going to do that. Even thinking down the road for my job, this is what I'm going to do. These are the activities I'm going to be involved in, the sports, the extracurricular activities. This is uh, the friendships that I'm going to have. And we have all these plans and we almost in our minds like to think about the future like they're set in stone. And we need the reminder that this passage today is going to give us that we must not be naive to think that we are ultimately the ones in charge. Rather, we need the perspective that James 4, 13 to 17 is going to give us to see what this whole series is about, to see the bigger picture. James 4, I see some of you guys are already there. If not, turn in your Bibles right now. James chapter 4, just capturing a couple verses this morning. James 4, verses 13 through 17. Let's read it together. James writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this, Come now, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So he's speaking here specifically to these businessmen. And we presume, although there's some debate of whether they're Christians or not, I think these are Christian businessmen who say, hey, you know, tomorrow we're going to go do this. We're going to go make a profit. We're going to sell. And this is what we're going to do. And these plans, guess what? As good as done. It's going to take place. This is going to happen. I know this is what we're going to plan to do. And this is going to take place. Verse 14, James keeps going. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? I mean, I think it's funny, the idea of like, what is your life? It's like, who do you think you are, <laughs> you, you business? Like, really? You think you're all that? Yet, yet you don't even know what, what's tomorrow going to bring. Yeah, what, what are the events that's, that's going to take place for tomorrow? Like the fishermen, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to be back tomorrow. It's like, well, didn't go to plan. Do you really know what tomorrow is going to happen? What's going to happen? I mean, ultimately, maybe we have plans, but we don't really know. What is your life? Goes on, for you are a mist 
that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I mean, you think of that dew, that mist, that smoke. It's like that's how your life is, how quickly it goes away. We think we have it all planned out. No, realize how quick our life is. I mean, we're not ultimately in charge. Verse 15, rather than saying, hey, our plans are set in stone, this is going to happen. Verse 15, it says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Say, hey, you need to think, what does God want from you? What is God's will? Not saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do without thinking, but is this what God wants for me? If the Lord wills, we will first off live, we'll be alive, and then we'll do this or that. Verse 16, it says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. This prideful boasting, this arrogant playing, this presumption, which is the title of the sermon this morning. You think, oh, I've got my whole life ahead of me. I can plan whatever I want. That's going to take place. No, that, that boasting is arrogant. It's prideful. It's wrong. It says, all such boasting is evil. Does that mean all boasting is wrong? No, because you can probably think of the passage in Scripture that says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So clearly not all boasting is evil. If we're boasting in the Lord, that's a good thing. But this specific type of boasting, which is saying, hey, my, the plans that I plan for the future, they're set in stone. Nothing's going to change. This is going to happen. That's wrong. It's evil is what verse 16 says. Verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do, which is to make our plans with accordance with what God wants to do, but if we know that's the right thing to do and we fail to do it, for him it is sin. See, the Christian's proper desire should be, what does God want for me? And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to live my life, plan my life however I want to live, and not even think about God at all. It's a big mistake that I think we are so tempted to fall into. I mean, maybe we don't say there is no God, but we can live our lives and act and plan in a way that maybe you don't say there is no God, but you're acting and living like there is no God. Point number one, I put it this way, don't live like there is no God. Don't live like there is no God. Hopefully all of us in this room would agree that, yeah, there is a God. I am responsible to him. Ultimately, he's the one in charge, and I'm not. He is God. I'm not God. He's the master. He's the one in charge. But it's so easy for us to think about our future, whether that's moving into eighth grade, moving into high school, Oh, what do I want to do down the road? And we plan all these things. This is what I want to do without first considering, is that what God would want for me? That's what it looks like to live as if there is no God, regardless of whether you would mentally say yes to if there was a quiz of do, is there God or not? Yes, we would put, but do we live like there is one? The businessmen here in James chapter 4, they think a lot of things are in their control. Look back at James 4, 13. It says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town. So first, these people are falling under the assumption that time is in their hands. By saying, hey, today or tomorrow, those are units of time. Today, tomorrow, future, we're going to do this or that. You know who's in charge of tomorrow? Yeah, it's me. This is going to happen. They think time is in their hands goes on, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there. They think also not that time is in their hands only, but also that their location is in their hands. And oh yeah, I'm going to go move here. I'm going to go live there. I can decide, do whatever I want to do. goes on, 
We will spend a year there, trade, and make a profit. They think their job, their, their, their business that they're a part of, to make profit, the end goal, which that's, that's not wrong, obviously, to own a business and to, to make profits. No, but have you considered and planned those things outside of what does God want for me? Or did you just plan, oh, this is what I want to do, so that's what I'm going to do? Do we consider our future and say, what would God have for me? Oftentimes we don't. I mean, I remember back when I was a little kid and my parents told me that the first thing that I wanted to do when I was like, when I get older, you know what I want to be? I want to be a trash truck driver. I was like, let's go. That's like, you guys are all laughing at me now. But I mean, think about it as a kid. You're like staying at home and all of a sudden this like big truck comes by and this like trash thing, which is like bigger than you. It's like, how can it lift that up? That's cool. It's like, whoa, that's awesome. Okay, some people wanted to be a trash truck driver. I was like, let's go. And then my dad's like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And then I got older, and you know what I wanted to be? Professional soccer player. I was like, this is what I'm going after. I'm going to be a pro soccer player. And then it switched to, I want to be a professional NBA player. And my dad's like, Nathan, you're like, you're like five, six at the time, so maybe you should have like a backup plan. <laughs> it's like being, trying to be a realist here. It's like, I don't I mean, I know you're like, okay, at basketball, but like, maybe you have another plan. And then I wanted to be like a, a sports, I was like, okay, maybe I'm not good enough to play the sports, so I'll write about the sports, and I'll talk about the sports. I'll be a sports commentator, sports analyst, that's what I want to go and do. And growing up, all I ever considered is, what do I want to do? What job or career do I want to pursue? And it wasn't until I Got into high school, you know, then I was, oh, I want to be an engineer, then potentially mechanical engineer, then going to the finance field. And it's like, it wasn't until high school and then more so in college that I consider, well, what, what does God want me to do with, with my life as my vocation, as my job? Maybe that's something you've never even considered. What does God want for me to do? Is it wrong to be a, be a, professional athlete? Is it wrong to be a businessman? Is it wrong to be a trash truck driver? Is it wrong to be a businessman? It's like, no, those are all good and necessary things, but is that what we want to do, or is it because, no, this is, I think, the path that God wants me to go down? If we don't consider God in our plans for the future, we're living like there is no God. Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. You're a fool, the Bible says, if you live in like, if you say there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Even though we know there, yes, there is a God. Hopefully you would agree with that. That's a, that's a good start. We need to make sure we live in accordance with our beliefs. We'll allow our theology to impact our practice. The knowledge about God to impact how we live. Because there are a lot of consequences, and even you can think of some biblical examples of people who neglected God, people who didn't think about God. What does God want from me? I mean, example, you can think of the people in Noah's day, Genesis chapter 6, they did what was right in their own eyes, whatever we want to do. Didn't think about God, oh yeah, no, there's supposed to be a flood, like, okay, it's never rained before. Say there's water's going to fall, like, whatever. I mean, what happened to those people? Worldwide flood, consequences. I mean, think through some other characters in the Old Testament who, you know, 
lived as if there was no God. Maybe this one rings a bell. Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar, we've talked about him before, remember? King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4.29 says at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the royal palace of Babylon, looking at this beautiful palace. And the king answered, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence? Look at how great I am. It was my might and my strength that built this great Babylon. And what did God do to King Nebuchadnezzar? You remember that? He said, yeah, you think you're all that? You think you're a hot shot? Think you're all powerful on your own? You know what? You're going to be a crazy man for a while, eating wild food, and you're going to be humbled by God. See, the times when we're tempted to live like there is no God oftentimes aren't the times when things are tough. I mean, this has probably happened to you, like you've gotten sick. You know, something goes wrong, you're throwing up, and then you're praying to God, God, please, I'll do whatever you want. Like, just take the sickness from me. Or you're vomiting in the toilet, and you're like, God, I just want to be a, a servant, do whatever you tell me to do. Just take this away, and I'll read my Bible every day. I'll pray all the time. It's like, I see some laughing because it's like, that's what we do. It's, oh, I'll serve you, God, you know, whatever. Just, you know, help me to heal whatever sickness or a, a difficult situation arises. Oh, God, if this just goes away. And we really think about God and we consider God. But then things get easy. School's going pretty well. You've been healthy for a while. And what, what, what happens? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean... It must be my own strength and my own, you know, I'm pretty, pretty awesome, so that must be why things are going well. And we don't stop to think about God. I mean, have you seen that true in your own life? Oftentimes that seems to be the case. We think we're all that, and when things are going well, we say, I'm going to do whatever I want. That happened, as we're thinking of biblical examples, judges, judges. If you were there at winter camp and didn't go skiing and snowboarding, we did our DBR lives together, and we kind of talked about this cycle that took place in Judges. You remember that? The cycle of Judges? And it started out, uh, Judges 3-7. If you're quick, if you're quicker than me, you can, you can beat me there. Judges chapter 3. Judges 3, verse 7. It says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, why did they do that? They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asheroth. So what happened? I mean, the start of this cycle of, of that takes place over and over again in Judges, they forgot about God. They lived like there was no God. And what would happen? They would disobey God, do what was right in their own eyes, and what would he do? He'd give them over to another nation. Philistines, all those, those ites, the uh, Perizzites, Amorites, you know, the ites, 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 ites. It's like, give them over to one of them. And then what would happen? God, please forgive us. We'll, do, we'll follow you. And they cried out to God. And then what would God do? Remember this? Okay, here you go. Here's, here's a deliverer. Here's a judge, which I said at winter camp, a judge is not like guilty, non-guilty. This isn't the type of judges in judges. It's like these political, military leaders who would rise up, like in Judges 3, it was Othniel, or we talked about Samson or, or Gideon, and they would provide deliverance for the people. And it's, oh, great, awesome, we're set free. And what would happen? The cycle repeats itself. Forget about God. Rebel against God. 
into captivity, deliverance, over and over and over again. And the cycle started because they forgot about God. We need to consider God and live and plan our future in light of what God wants for us. Some people will take James chapter 4, verse 13, about planning for the future and say, oh, well, we shouldn't plan for the future. Like, okay, wipe all you people that have calendars. Um, I guess maybe that's more leaders because I didn't really get a calendar until high school. But it's like, you got plans for the future? Like, psh, burn it up. You shouldn't plan for the future. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying you shouldn't have any plans. Like, oh, I plan to go to revive. Well, that's wrong because you shouldn't be planning for the future. It's like, no, not. it's planning without considering what God wants. That's this boastful, arrogant planning. You should take out life insurance. You should save for retirement. Those things is wide stewardship. That's not, that's not presumptuous planning, arrogant planning. No, presumption is this self-confidence, this arrogance, this overconfidence, this assuming that I am so important, I'm so great, I deserve this or that, the future is guaranteed for me. And that's wrong. We need to remember who is in charge. Our plans are completely dependent upon God's plans. That's why, look back at James, I know you're probably in Judges, flip back to James. James 4, 14 those people who say, oh, I will do this, do that, set in stone, this is going to happen. Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Gone. We need the reminder, point number two, remember that life is short. Remember life is short. Who are you to think you've got so much time ahead of you? Think that you've got this future. Who am I? Appears so quickly and then is gone. Oh, well, I'm in junior high. You know, I've got years and years ahead of me. It's like, you can't presume and say that I guaranteed I've got the future because we don't know. Because we're not in charge. Hosea 13, verse 3, it says, They shall be like the morning mist or like the dew that goes away early. It's like, you, you ever left the, the house before school and it's like still misty out and you look out on the grass, maybe in your front yard and there's like those droplets. Yeah, anybody seen do before? Or on the car on the front? No, my friend of my uh, windshield on my car always would get like fogged up in the morning, all these dew droplets. And guess what? The sun comes out and like five minutes later, gone. It's like, where did that go? And then the next morning, over and over again. It's like, that's how quickly, that's how short our life is. Hosea 13 goes on, it says, like the chaff that swirls from the threshing floor or like smoke from a window. So they picture smoke, how it just goes up and then it's gone. Or like it says chaff from the threshing floor. So they would, back in the olden days, the threshing floor was like a high point on a, on a hill. And they would take the wheat and the grain up to it and toss it up in the air. And all the, the grain, the stuff that you want to eat, would drop down. But all the chaff, the leftover stuff, the, the, the stuff that you didn't want to eat, guess what? It would be taken by the wind. Saying, hey, that stuff that's taken by the wind, that's like how quick your life goes. Like a vapor. Like a mist. I mean, I want you to see it. Like, this is your life. Gone. School, marriage, Children, 
gone. We think we've got, oh man, I've got decades ahead of me. This is literally what the Bible compares our life to. That it's gone just like that. And okay, well, wow, well, this droplet lasted longer than this droplet. Oh, well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's so quick. You think, oh man, well, I lived to 90 years old versus 60 years. It's all so fast. The Bible says your life is like a vapor. Not only because of the, the quickness that a vapor disappears, but also just think about what a vapor is. Like water. What is that? What are the, what are the chemical components? Think, think back to your school. Is what? H2O. H2O. So two hydrogen, one oxygen. H2O. Now think of your own life. What are we made of? 99% of us is made of oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, calcium, phosphorus. To the primer, hydrogen, oxygen. So not only is your life like a vapor because that's how quick it is, but literally you are made of the same similar chemical components that vapor is. I mean, think of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 where God made man, Adam. You know what Adam means in, in Hebrew? From the earth. From the earth. From the earth. That's why we call Adam. It's like, why? Because man was made out of the, out of the earth, out of the dust of the earth. And just like we're, we're raised up out of dust of the earth, where do we return at the end of our lives? To dust. Okay, yeah, I know we're eternal, and, and, but our physical body, you know, come from dust, we return to dust. That's how quickly our life is. We're not in charge of tomorrow whether the situations that are going to occur tomorrow. I mean, things pop up all the time. No one plans in their life, I'm going to get sick, or this uh, relationship conflict is going to happen, or this person's going to get sick. It's like, we don't plan for those things, but we do not know what tomorrow will bring, whether we will even have tomorrow. Life is so short. I mean, back in the early times, flip, in, flip to Genesis 5 really quickly, you remember... Genesis 5, they lived even a lot longer than we live today. Genesis 5, you remember the oldest man, Methuselah, you know, a little Bible trivia. He lived the longest. He lived 969 years. It's like, oh man, that's like, that's a long time. He lived for a long, like people before the flood lived a long time. Genesis 5, you, you have uh, Adam lived 930 years. It's like, wow, that seems like a long time. Seth, 912, Enosh, 905, down the road, Kenan, 910, 895, 962, and then we get to 969, Lamech, 777, and then it kind of goes on over time. We think, oh, wow, that's a really long time. I mean, even that, 900 years, we think that's a long time, but even that, it's like, I mean, in the span of eternity, that's not that long a time. I mean, and then it starts getting shorter after the flood, we get to passages like Psalm 90, verse 10. It says, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. And that's pretty typical of what the lifespan is today. Years of our life are 70. You know, some make it further. Some push to 80. Some a little further, 90, 100. But the average is right around there. Some don't make it that long. 70, 80. I mean, think about how much... You are through your life if you even made it to 70 or 80. I mean, how many of you guys are 13? 
Any 13-year-olds? Okay. Let's say you make it to that 70, 80 age. Let's say right in the middle, 75, and you're 13. That's 17%, almost 20% of your life is already done. Isn't that crazy? It's like, well, it feels like it just started. Like, I'm not even in high school yet. 13, if you even make it to 75, that's 17%. Almost 20%. You're like almost out of the first quarter of life if you make it that long. The leaders are like, oh, wow, we're like in the second quarter. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's like man, we're almost getting to halftime here. It's like, um, uh, but that's presuming even that we get that long. We're not even guaranteed another day. We must not live like tomorrow is guaranteed. Consider how quickly it goes. So fast, 17%. We probably have some 14-year-olds. Oh, you're closer to 20%. Oh, man. I'm 23, definitely in the 20% percentile, almost closer to 30. Don't live like tomorrow is guaranteed. Luke 12 gives a, a parable. Jesus says, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. So a guy sows some seed in a field, lots of harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Where am I going to put my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. So this rich businessman thinking, oh man, got a lot of produce. Where, where should I do it? Oh, well, I need bigger things. So I'm going to build these bigger things. And he builds these bigger things and he sits back, relaxes. Oh man, life, life's pretty good and abundant. Well, verse 20, it says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, those things you built up, whose will they be? Well, not yours when you're dead. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We live our life just thinking about the here and now, focused on our aspirations, our desires, and we don't first stop to consider, man, am I right with God today? If we don't do that, we are foolish. We can plan for the future. Oh, I'm going to do this in high school. This is what I want to do with my life, my, my career. Some of you girls know how many kids you want to have already. It's like you've already thought about that and their names. Uh, it's like guys are still planning what's for breakfast, like, or what are we going to have for lunch? It's like they don't think so. But it's like we can think about all these things. What am I going to have for lunch? It's like all these things. But do we stop and consider that tonight our soul might be required of us? That today could be our last, I could, my soul could be required of me tonight, standing before the Lord. And what good was all this planning of the future, not considering God? No good. What good is it to profit the entire world, Jesus says, and yet what? Forfeit his soul. I mean, it's an obvious answer, it's no good. Have all the riches, all the plans, all the abundance. You ever heard of back in the day that said YOLO, YOLO a lot? YOLO, yeah. It's like, YOLO, you only live once, yeah. It's like, we should think about YOLO, but in a different perspective. YOLO, they would say, oh, you only live once, so just, you know, live it up, you know, 
whatever you want to do, that's what you should do. Go after, oh, yeah, you want to do that, do that. Do. It's like, and don't think about God. No, we should think we only live once. Tomorrow is not guaranteed, so we should care about and be good stewards with what God has given us. Consider, what does God want me to do with this short life that I have? Not to waste it. That's why the back of the worksheet, there's a book I recommended. You know what it's called? Don't waste your life. <laughs> Don't waste your life. If we live like there is no God, live with no consideration of eternity, we're going to waste our life and forfeit our own soul. Rather, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, a book that in large portion talks about the vanities of this life, says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments. Fear God, fear God, fear God. Fear. What does that make you think of? Revival. I don't want to jump too much into fear God. I'll leave that for revival. But we got to fear God, consider God. What does he want me to do? All right, back to James chapter 4. said, okay, don't boastfully plan, thinking that tomorrow is guaranteed. Consider the brevity of life, how quickly it goes. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, this should be your mindset, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. We should do the right thing. It says, whoever knows the right thing to do, which is to plan with God in mind, but fails to do that, that's sin. That kind of brings up the idea of, Knowing to do the right thing, but yet not doing it is sin. You've probably heard this before. Sins of omission versus sins of commission. If not, I'd write that down. Sins of commission are sins that you commit. So those are actions that God says, hey, don't do this, and you actively commit that sin. So the Bible says, do not lie. And by you lying, you are breaking God's law. You are committing lying, and that is a sin of commission. Does that make sense? Commission. Sins of omission are, think of like omit. If someone omitted something, what is that thing? It's like, what does that mean? Uh, omitted something. It's like they left something out. Uh, you know, omission. So sins of omission are if God says, hey, you should do this, and you don't do it, that is also a wrongdoing. That is also a sin. So, hey, you should not neglect to meet together, which is, hey, you should be a part of a church. If you're not doing that, guess what? You're sinning against God because he told you to do it and you're not doing it. Does that make sense? Commission, doing something God said not to. Omission, not doing something God said to do. Here is a sin of omission where God says, hey, you should plan your future with me in mind and you are planning the future without thinking about God. That is a sin. Rather, we need to think, what does God want me to do? What is his desire for me? What is his will? What does he want for me? And as we plan the future, we should plan and have our plans be completely dependent upon what God desires of us. Point number three, I put it this way. Submit your plan to God's desires. Submit your plans to God's desires. What does he desire of me? I remember being a kid, or maybe this has happened to you, and you're sleeping, and it, your alarm goes off for school, and you, you do the thing where it's like, oh, I don't want to go to school today. Mom, I don't want to go to school today. I want to stay home and bake cookies with you, or something, something like that. It's like, I don't want to go to school today, and you're like, eh, no school. Like, 
And then your mom or your dad comes into the room and you're like groggy, like, oh, I don't want to, and they're like, hey, wake up, like, you need to go to school. And maybe like you were a rebellious kid and you like try to put your foot down a couple times. You're like, no, mom, I'm not going to school today. And your parents laugh at you a little bit like, yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? You are going to school today. <laughs> it's like, well, guess what? I decided I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to the bedpost. And it's like, I'm going to hold, I'm not going to. And they're like, I mean, probably if they were like wise, godly parents are like, I don't care whether it's like, you're going to go willingly or not. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drag you. You're going to school. Like, this is going to happen. It's ultimately not your choice. I mean, that's not how we want to be with God. <laughs> God saying, this is what I want you to do. Well, guess what? I don't want to do that. No, we should have a willingness, a wanting. What does God want me to do? That's what I willingly want to do. I mean, think of a biblical example in the Old Testament of God saying, hey, hey, guy, this is what I want you to do. And the individual saying, God, can, you, can, can I not do that? Maybe Moses comes to mind. Hey, Moses. I'm speaking to you through a burning bush that is not consumed, a miraculous thing. You're going to go to Egypt, go talk to Pharaoh, this arrogant guy who lives like there is no God, and you're going to tell him, let my people go. And remember the rest of the passage? Then it says, Moses said, yeah, God, whatever you want. He skipped all the way to Egypt. Remember that? He's like, let's go. Uh, let's go. It's like, yeah, I don't know, it sounded like Mickey Mouse right there. but And he's like, very joyfully, cheerfully was like, yeah, yeah, with roses and, and, and sunshine. It's like, is that what happened? No, he was like, hey, God, I don't really speak very well. You know, like, you want me to do that? Uh, Nathan Yobachin translated, oh, I got a lisp, you know, and I'm not very, I'm not a great public speaker, you know, I'm kind of afraid. I was like, no, you need to go. I'm going to be with you. I mean, we don't want to be these reluctant obeyers of what God wants from us. We want to eagerly step up to the box and say, God, what do you will for me if the Lord wills? And as we think of our future, I want you to consider your future. Think of your job down the road. Think of your high school, the activities you're going to be involved in high school, the friends are going to hang out. What does God want from me? What this passage isn't saying is, hey, every sentence that you say about the future, you have to add, like, if the Lord wills at the end. Like, we're not supposed to around, go around, like, being, being, like, you know, legalists about it, where it's like, hey, someone says, hey, I'm going to go grab a smoothie from the smoothie bar. It's like, well, if the Lord wills, uh, then you're going to, oh, if the Lord wills. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. If the Lord wills, you will. Like, it's like, okay. like uh, yeah, okay, like, oh, man, planning to go to this high school. If the Lord wills. Um, I mean, you could... You could plan your future without considering what God wants, strap at the end, if the Lord wills, and what good is that? That isn't planning with what God desires. You could plan, oh, I don't think about what God wants me to do. This is what I'm going to do, and then I'll just, at the end, I'll add these couple magic words, if the Lord wills. And guess what? Now, oh, I did the rightful planning. You see how that's not the point of what he's saying? That you don't just need to say after every sentence, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. Because you could say if the Lord wills every time, but if you're not considering what it means and you're not planning with what you're saying, that's not the point. <laughs> you don't have to say if the Lord wills, but your plans better be if the, according to what God would want you to do, what he desires of you. 
And for some people, saying if the Lord was is a helpful reminder for them. And that's why you hear maybe some of your leaders say it every now and then. should be not an empty phrase from our lips, but a submission to what does God will for me? Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. So once again, this isn't saying, I shouldn't think about the future. I shouldn't think about college. I shouldn't think of my career. No, we should, but it's God who establishes our steps. We should allow him to say, what is it that you want from me? Jeremiah 10, 23 says a similar thing. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not man who walks to direct his steps. As you think about, maybe even consider right now your job, what job would God want you to have? It's not like a one-size-fits-all for everybody. It's not like, okay, yeah, everyone here, we're all going to be doctors because that's what God wills for everyone. Or everyone here is going to work at a church or be a pastor. It's like, no, that's, that's not what God wills for everybody. But you better consider for me and for what does God want me to do? Regardless of career, there are some things that God does desire of you. I want you to think this, I think this sermon connects pretty well if you were at Revival last year, and we talked about dead or alive, and we got to Ephesians chapter 2 all the way to verse 10 after we're right with God, because that's what desire, God desires to see us saved. Then it says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, you memorize this, for good works. So, okay, so God desires for me good works. Well, what good works does he want me to do? That doesn't help. Like, what passage do I turn to, whether he says he wants me to be a doctor or, or whether he wants to be a businessman? Well, there's not a chapter and verse for that. It's not just, hey, yeah, just look to uh, 2 Corinthians 25, 6, and that's going to get, it's like, no. But regardless of the career, there are some things God does desire of you. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 he says, all this is from God, who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself. Reconciled us. Hey, we were enemies of God. Now we are reconciled, made peace with God. And guess what? He gave us, it says, the ministry of reconciliation. So if you are a believer and you want to say, what is God's will for me? Which is another way to say, what does God desire for me? He desires for you to engage in this thing called ministry of reconciliation. Fancy phrase to say, share the gospel with people. Tell others about Jesus. Well, I'm a, I'm a professional baseball player, so that's not what, no, that's what God wills for you. Whether you pick doctor, whether you pick being businessman, whether you pick trash truck driver, guess what? Your primary task is not just making money, doing that job. Your primary task is sharing the good news about Jesus. That's what God desires from you. You know what else he desires from you? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It says, this is the will of God. Oh, what is the will of God? What does he want from me? Your sanctification. Sanctified. Be more holy. Be more like Christ. What does God will for me? What does he want for my life? I mean, that's probably a, a common question that you're thinking in junior high, getting up into high school. What does God want me to do? What does he want from me? First, he wants you to tell others about Christ. He wants you to be more holy. That's why Matthew chapter 5, you probably remember, he describes Christians to the salt and light. You are salt of the earth. You are light of the earth. Light should not be hidden but on a stand. It's supposed to be his ambassadors. So as you think about your future, consider where can I be a most 
faithful witness for Christ. By saying that, there are naturally going to be some jobs that, guess what, you can't be an ambassador for Christ and have those jobs because a Christian can't do those jobs. And guess what, those jobs, not an option for you, not a choice, can't even consider them. But then as you think, okay, well, I mean, these jobs aren't wrong, sinful jobs. Well, which one can you be a most faithful witness for him? Which one is going to grow you the most to be like Christ? Oh, well, if I take this job and this job's going to have me be over here and I'm going to, you know, not, there's no church over there. It's like, well, I mean, it, all these things have got to be considerations of what you think about. Pastor Mike even considered at Re- Revival last year, who knows, there might be people in this room who in the future might be pastors, preachers, missionaries, church administrators, biblical scholars in this room. But maybe that's something you haven't even considered. And yeah, just by working at a church, that doesn't mean that, yeah, that's, the, that's a more holy job. And it's like, no. We're not all called to work at the church, just like we're not all called to be doctors and lawyers. No, we're different jobs. But have we considered what is it that God wants me to do? We should consider that, think about that. I think that will lead to some helpful conversations in small groups because it's not a, as easy as a one-size-fits-all. Some of you might go off to college. Some of you might not go off to college. Some might go to a... a, a Take a year off and do an internship. It's like, we all have different futures ahead of us, but rather than first thinking, what do I want to do? We should consider, what does God desire of me and plan our futures with in accordance with, with his desires? Keeping first and foremost, he desires us to be holy and he desires us to be his ambassadors. And that's how we can not presumptuously plan about the future, but in accordance with what he wants of us. Let's pray. God, we confess that oftentimes we live our lives as though there is no God, that we plan things just because we want them, just because we desire them, because we think it's what's best for us. Help us to search the scriptures to see what you desire Talk to other believers who have your spirit within them that can give insight and understanding. Help us, regardless of whatever job we decide down the road, to see our primary task as believers is to be your ambassadors and to grow in holiness. Help that to be a new perspective that we didn't have maybe coming into this morning. Help help us to see the bigger picture as we live our lives and as we get ready for this new stage of life, whether it's going up to eighth grade or going off to high school. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.